From late June to early August, we took a 14,000-mile cross-country road trip to get away from the world. It brought us to 20 national parks, 33 states, 46 cities, and 43 national monuments, forests, memorials, grasslands, and recreation areas. So in each episode, we'll outline one of our stops, talk about the history of the place, our impressions, and a piece of dark history tea associated with it. It's going to be dramatic, scandalous, dare I say captivatingly funny, and hopefully it inspires your next trip in the United States. This is Road Boys with Jeremy and Jacob. Welcome to another episode of Road Boys. Road Boys. Road Boys. We're boys on the road. Episode four. We should have a theme song, Jacob. We we do have a theme song. It plays before we come on and start speaking. We're both singers. I'm talking about one that we make ourselves. Are you talking like an acapella version of our theme song? Yes. We're both bassy. We could do some beatboxing. I can get you know throw my hand into that. See if I do that well. What do you say? Yeah. Uh huh. I'm gonna give you the the RuPaul answer at a workstation. Yeah. Um. Uh huh. Uh huh. And as I've mentioned before, that person usually ends up winning the challenge. So <laughs> that's true. We're gonna win the challenge. <laughs> we are. Um, win the well, challenge. I wanted to start the episode by calling you out uh, because well, you last week so rudely did not ask me how I was doing when I asked you how you were doing. Uh, well, Jacob, uh, what can I say <laughs> other than um, I'm sorry and maybe. Hey, maybe if maybe I just wasn't interested. Oh, <laughs> I love that. We're getting zesty early on today. <laughs> maybe I just wasn't interested. But you know what? This week, Jacob, I would really like to know how you've been. What you've been up to? Um. Well, you know, now that you've asked me, I can't think of anything I've done. Um. I'm starting a <laughs> job on Sunday. Oh, do tell. Um, It'll be very exciting. I'm working for a large corporation, um, and I'm making that money. Ooh, boy. Is this manual labor? Is this this manual manual labor? (laughs) It is manual labor, exactly. Um, And I'm very excited to be doing it uh, because I've kind of really missed having a routine for six months. Mm. I can understand that. I can understand that. Um, so that'll be very exciting. But other than that, not up to much. We, I know the two of us have been watching Fargo uh, and The Boys. The, bo- the Boys and Fargo, uh, two great shows. Um, but I think for Fargo, you, we're, we're not really focusing on that new season. We're just rewatching the old ones because that's really the show. <laughs> the, I forgot how good the old ones are. They are so good. They're fantastic. And hey, they have people with the accent. They have snow. That's an, a pretty big improvement from season four. They oh, have yeah. regular people. I mean, it's what you want when you watch Fargo. It's not any of this gang bullshit, you know. You're darn tootin'. You're darn tootin'. <laughs> <laughs> well, another thing I wanted to address was how we've been blowing up all over social media, all our downloads. I just want to say thank you to our audience. Well, the fan interaction has been enormous. Um, and every day I look and we have downloads. I'm not going to tell you the number of downloads that we get per day, but it's very impressive. And what I got to say is when I put something up on my Instagram, I immediately get a like uh, from one of our fans, and it may or may not be Jacob. Well, (laughs) and scene. That's what we call delusion. Living the fantasy. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling the fantasy. Uh, Well, you know, we're just a small-time podcast, and we're looking to grow, so... You know, we just gotta gotta keep pressing on and tell all of our fans. You know, you gotta like, you gotta subscribe, you gotta give us a rating. Give us a rating. I would say five stars, but do as do what your heart tells you to do. 
Yeah, so do what your heart tells you to do and give us five-star ratings on all podcasting platforms. And we are on social media at Road Boys Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So we're really all over the place, and there's no excuse. Yeah, and the Facebook is a new addition, and that blew up too. That that was immediate immediate response there as well. It, I, I only invited about 600 people to like it. So, I mean, it's really just blown up so quickly. Mm-hmm. So we have a rabid fan base. We have people that are waiting every week for a new episode. And I'm just glad we can deliver. I'm glad we have the time. We are people who follow through and deliver. And I love that about us. Me too. Now, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get into things? Or are we good? No, I'll just say that... Uh, hmm. I ate at Chipotle today. That was a pretty big deal. But other than that, we can go into it. Oh, Chipotle. Eat fresh. Uh, wait, no, that's Subway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, um, I'm trying to come up with a promo, so it looks like they're sponsoring us. Um, um, uh, fresh cheese and guac. They're back with the carne asada. So get your ass down there, uh. and and that was a fantastic promo for our new sponsor chipotle chipotle and i'm an advertising major and i just want to say that i made that up on the spot so you can just see the (laughs) you can see the 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 creative wheels churning um here you go ready here you go chipotle go on get you some that's right well, I do think it would be great to get into our next stop because I'm very excited about it. I did the research for it. You didn't do any of the work. I know. I'm really excited that I didn't have to do the work this week. And I'm really excited to hear what you brought up because I know these uh, this next stop is a very fun one. It's a very fun one. I honestly think that by the time we got to this next stop, it was the first time I really felt like you know, we're away. We're really away from where we started on the East Coast. And that stop is Denver. So I'm going to I'm very excited about that. All right, let's get into it. So, we had a great time in Denver and if you remember last week for anyone that was listening all of our all of our amazing fans, we were in Kansas in the middle of nowhere. We really were just trying to make it out of that state if you caught our vibe from last episode. I don't know if that was if you agree with me Jacob, but we just really wanted to leave. We wanted the beeline out of there. We had to get out of Kansas. It was just too much. It was a lot. And that morning when we drove into Denver, I think we just woke up and we just were two men on a mission. We had to get into Denver. We had to experience that mountain life. We had to hit 70 and just blast ourselves off, you know, from Wakini, Kansas. We we had to leave. We had to blast off. We we had to go off, Jacob. (laughs) Uh, 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 hold up. I'm going off. I'm going off. We're going off. So we hopped in sledge. We went off and we hit Denver, which really, I think, coming out of that drive from the middle of nowhere in Kansas, you really think that once you go, once you hit the state line in Colorado, everything's going to change. It's going to be crazy. You're going to start seeing really cool stuff. Um, I don't know about you, but I was just like, this is the same thing for a long time while we were still riding in in Colorado. I was a little bit taken aback. Um, Yeah, the beginning of Colorado is kind of exactly like Kansas, and it took way longer than I thought to get to a place where it looks like uh, Rocky Mountain, you know, John Denver fantasy. Right. It's it's a wasteland. It's a lot like uh, driving through Kansas. It becomes a little bit more deserty, I'd say, a little bit into that drive. But I just felt better automatically once we hit that state line because we were in Colorado. We were really in that state, in the John Denver state. Uh, so I was very happy. And then very and then at the last little leg of that drive, you know, you start seeing the Rockies and you start seeing that city center. You start seeing a civilization all of a sudden. And my thought was, how did, you know, this get here? How did they put this out here in the middle of nowhere after coming, you know, five hours in a car not seeing a thing? Well, I'm very excited to hear about the history of Denver, which should explain all of those questions. Yes. So I'm very excited to get into it, too. So here's the history of Denver. This city has a very 
interesting history. My research this place has my everything. research answered a lot of questions, such as why do they put a city in that area? The mountains are so beautiful. Like, why would they obstruct the view with buildings? That's a big question. Why is it called the Mile High City? What's the reason? Was it named after John Denver? Or was John Denver named after it? So all of this is cleared up very shortly for me uh, in a very short amount of time. You know, thanks to some of the uh, research sites I went on, ProQuest, JSTOR, all the reputable reputable research sites. so what I'm hearing is that you just went on their Wikipedia page and found everything you needed to know. Uh, something like that. <laughs> All right, so, let's hear it. So Denver's pretty new in comparison to some of our previous stops. Now, if you can believe it, Jacob, the site on which the city now stands was a stopping place for the Arapaho Indians along with a bunch of nomadic white people. So you're talking about trappers and fur traders. They all were to stop and Are you telling me that this land was taken by straight white men? Yes, they 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 uh they moved in. Uh and the Arapaho Indians uh they were there too. They were vibing and um something tells me uh they didn't really win in that exchange. So um really though, uh Denver is a city whose expansion uh was brought on by the discovery of gold. So it's pretty new. It's it gold. They discovered this gold in June of 1858. So, where a bunch, whereas a bunch of cities we've already visited have 1700 origins, um, I think that for the most part is a pretty primitive landscape uh, up until that mid 1800s uh, era. So, well, that's interesting because I think yeah. uh, I definitely got the sense that we were in a very rich territory when we were there. Yes. And you could, doesn't it make sense? It's gold. So here's a scenario. During that time around the late 1850s, you have two towns. One is called Aurora and the other is called St. Charles. Both uh, of these cities lay on opposite sides of a creek called Cherry Creek. So in Cherry Creek, they found gold. And instantly people started to rush to these two cities in the area. And then all of a sudden, this whole place was bounding with economic opportunity. So people are rushing to there. Makes sense. There's gold. There's gold in them creek. So what's going to happen is that a young gold man, gold man. Gold man. A gold rush man. William Larimer Jr. uh, lays claim to the town of St. Charles and soon renamed the city to Denver City. Now, why'd um, he name it that? Okay, so it was named after James W. Denver, the governor of <laughs> the Kansas story, territory. Ah, uh, so, yes, Mr. Denver. Mr. Denver, uh, and I guess John uh, wasn't included in this transaction. He came a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So James W. Denver was the governor of the Kansas Territory, which interestingly enough, at around that time in the 1860s, was a part of uh, that area. I got it. All right. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yes. So a gold rush ensues a year later in 1859. And a year later in 1860, the towns of Aurora and Denver City consolidate into one. And in 1861, it became Denver. Denver. So you see how they how they worked that name around there. They changed it from Denver City to Denver. How how exciting and fascinating. So, I mean, that's a huge leap. I'm not re- quite sure I understand it. Yes, um, a lot of psychological leaps and hoops they had to jump through to get to that one. So after that, things moved pretty quickly. Uh, in 1863, there was a massive flood, so you have some strife. You got some bloodshed. Ooh, uh, you know I'm a big uh-huh. fan of strife and bloodshed. So, of course, that made the city reset, but it didn't stop them. So what really kicked things off was the eventual forceful removal of the Cheyenne and Arapaho tribes from the plains of Denver in the immediate vicinity of the city. Ah. Oh. You really, you really got to hate those straight white men. They really have ruined everything and taken so many things and <laughs> left behind no regrets. Exactly. So once the rightful inhabitants of the land were done away with, Denver quickly boomed. I guess people are like, they're gone. You can come now. 
Great. <laughs> exactly. So in 1867, the city became the territorial capital of now what is the Colorado Territory. So now we have some place that is called Colorado uh, that is incorporated with Denver. It's not called Rocky Mountain High. It's not called Rocky Mountain High. But uh, it is Colorado. It's the territory, so it's not the state at this time. But, it's, but it, you know, we're getting to the origins, I feel like. We're getting you know, there. We're getting, we're getting there. there. Um, so with the construction of an interterritorial railroad through the city, which would connect with the Pacific Railroad, you get massive expansion. So people are coming in. You know, you got new crops. You got new animals. And the city becomes a food processing center. So, All right. So I can see that we're now on the steps of it becoming a major American city. Right. We're almost there. So all the while, new settlers are finding more and more silver and gold in them hills. So you, so if you want to build a healthy city, you were talking to me about that. Or you mentioned this earlier, that having gold and silver as, as natural resources of, you know, is a pretty good place to start, I'd say. It's the real deal the real deal so this period of economic prosperity it lasts all the way through i remember that as i mentioned we were like we're we haven't even made it out of the 1870s so they have a period of economic prosperity that literally lasts and takes us to the 1970s all right so they're just doing well for like a hundred years they're they're like partying. I, I I got the vibe that they have a pretty cool lifestyle out there. So they're just in the middle of the country having a great time. People are coming in. Surrounded by mountains. They're surrounded by mountains. Beautiful. You got gold and silver. You got a lot of stuff that would attract you there. This place has everything. This place has everything. So after a couple of decades of decline, so we can just skirt over that. There's a, there's a little bit of economic decline, but where it wasn't in the 70s and eight, in the 70s and 80s, um, I bring you to what we now know of Denver being today. It's another, it's a city of prosperity, and in the 90s, uh, it's just been a great time since then, and it's been uh, that expansion, more and more expansion, has been fueled by tourism. So, but why did it go down in the 80s? Why'd it go down in the 80s? Well, you got the oil prices. It was just bad. The economy was just bad. That's all that. Thanks, Reagan. Thank you, Reagan. And that's, you know, all of my uh, research sites, my really uh, (laughs) (laughs) would would tell me about that. So extensive. Yes, of course. My extensive database research. So things went down. Um, And that brings us almost to the present day because I mentioned tourism. And uh, that was the two of us. But I'll just say this, uh, you know, in 1993, so there in 1993, a recent grad, recent graduate of the Culinary Institute, Steve Ellis, I'm sorry, Steve Ells, excuse me, moved from San Francisco to Denver after spending some time in San Fran's Mission District. And he realized he can make a lot of money creating a restaurant chain which specialized in burritos in southwestern no. cuisine. No, mm-hmm. it can't be. Could it be? So he bought a little storefront on East Evans Avenue, which is right by the University of Denver campus. And there you have it. The first Chipotle ever of all Chipotle! time. Chipotle! <laughs> Go on. Get you some. And that's that callback, of course, because, you know, I made sure I ate Chipotle today. <laughs> so that's I could bring it up co- <laughs> and had it in my mind. And, you know, that's it. Come on. You made such an effort for this show. Get you some. I'm trying to pull, Jacob. I'm trying to get us our Chipotle sponsorship and get us our free bowls. (laughs) Chipotle. It's food. It is the food. So, you know, the fact that Chipotle, I guess, was founded in Denver, it makes sense to me. Well, we ate ate Chipotle in Denver. so We did have Chipotle there. That's part of our story. Not only were we tourists, but we went to the city and ate Chipotle, like, immediately. We were like, this is the first great food establishment we've seen in the last, you know, two days. We got to eat at Chipotle. And that's true. You got to remember, we were coming out of Kansas, where there was simply no food establishments whatsoever. No, I think the main food establishments are either Walmarts out there or, like, or gas stations, you know, Phillips 66 or whatever. So Chipotle, great site. Great to see that out of the desert. It's like a mirage, but it was real, you know? (laughs) (laughs) We had our mirage fantasy. Um, And it was real. And I got to say, 
I feel like maybe it's because we ate from the source. Really good Chipotle. I could go on and on about this, but I feel like that was some of the better Chipotle. I agree. We definitely uh, did it, and it was a lot better than most Chipotles I've been to, although I do love Chipotle on any basis, uh, as they can hear by my many promotions and sponsorship, please. Mm -hmm. Well, any day is a great day for Chipotle, but I would just say that having a place like that start out in Denver, you know, it makes sense to me because... I don't know. I don't know. I really, really enjoyed Denver. I thought it was a great city. It was fucking cool. I love Denver. Um, It was definitely, I think, one of the most, actually, I would say the most modern city we kind of saw on our entire trip. Well, it's, you could just feel that it's a pretty progressive place. It's up and coming. It's up and coming. Oh, I think it came, Jacob. I think it came. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) What kind of language? I think it came, I think it's here, and it's here to stay. No, Denver was great. Um, and, yeah, we, we, we had a good time. I think the first thing we did was get that Chipotle. And then we went out, we came in, and it was a beautiful day. So just seeing that surrounding area, being able to see the mountains, uh, it was just so, so refreshing to see that type of landscape. And you could just tell it's like an active lifestyle out there. A lot of it is outdoors. Yeah, it definitely was a very outdoorsy type of place. I was surprised at how beautiful the buildings were even in the city center. Uh, And then you just like take a quick drive right outside of that and all you see are mountains all around you. It's really spectacular. It was. Now, Denver is another city just like some of the ones that we visited that was sort of like a quick a quick uh, pit stop almost because we had we had plans to you know hit some of the outdoorsy uh, attractions in the area. So all I can say is that Denver was great. We had dinner there in the city center, beautiful, and of course we had our lunch in Chipotle. But also the same day we did a lot coming from Kansas. Same day we hit Colorado Springs. We went to the Garden of the Gods. Well, you know we had to be making money moves. Um, and I don't think there's a move as money as going down to Colorado Springs while you're in Denver. Uh, it's, it's great. And I know it's a commuter city too. So if you can imagine living, chilling out time, chilling and like, you know, living your life out in Colorado Springs and then just driving into Denver for work, that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful commute. And that's just a beautiful lifestyle in my mind. I, I would have to agree with you. So we did make it to Colorado Springs and the Garden of the Gods. Now, did you have any historical information you could provide me with on Colorado Springs? Because how did another whole last place kind of develop yeah, right next no. to Denver? And of course, again, with this, I consulted all my databases. So I do have a nice little history for you. It's not as extensive as Denver's. But consider Colorado Springs as like, I don't know, like a... Like an offshoot, like a like a like a like a spinoff movie of Denver. It's the spinoff, yeah, sure. It's the spinoff of Denver. Um, so, so Colorado Springs is really beautiful, probably because of the landscape it's around. But also, we didn't really see too much of it. But it is also supposed to be a very very nice place. Uh, it, sort of interesting. It showed how that drive kind of showed how civilization in that area sort of aligns on like the y-axis and like the vertical with the mountains just to the west and then the plains of nothingness just to the east. So it's very skinny amount of civilization you got there in that area. Hashtag skinny. Skinny legend city. But yes, I would agree that it it is a uh, extremely beautiful drive from Denver to Colorado Springs. Yes, highly suggest. So although we didn't get to see too much of the city center in Colorado Springs when we were there, its location is of interest. It's because it stands on a mesa, which is 6,008 feet above sea level. So that is actually higher. We went we went we got we went higher in in uh, in elevation than Denver is. Uh, and it's just on the eastern base of Pikes Peak, which is the biggest mountain in the um, in the continental U.S. Really? So, are, yes. Are we sure on that? Well, we're gonna fact check it, but I'm quite sure it is. Uh, it's a 14er, um, but of course, the biggest mountain in in the U.S. is Mount McKinley, which is in Alaska. But I believe Pikes Peak is the largest peak 
on uh, in the Continental. And if not, I'll do a, I'll do a whole list of corrections. I feel like that has to come along at some point in future episodes. Wow, I didn't even realize we saw that then. That's surprising. We did. I don't know if I pointed it out to you, but like it was in the background. It was like the mountain you could see from wherever you were. We saw it when we were at the Garden of the Gods, actually. Um, yeah, I do remember seeing it, but I didn't realize that was the biggest that was mountain. It. That was, that was it. it. See, it doesn't look that that tall when you're already 6,000 feet up. Right. So I guess it, 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 it gets that, you know, that distinction based off of maybe a technicality that it, uh, that the base starts, you know, 6,000 feet up. So maybe it's a little bit cheating, but um, nonetheless, very pretty uh, and huge. Nothing like the Appalachians, you know. The, it the was hills. huge. It was absolutely massive. I loved it. Great place. Great city. Thank you. Exactly. So Pike's Peak. Why put a city on the basis on that mesa? Why put it on the base of a mountain? Doesn't it seem a little bit inaccessible if you don't have highways and whatnot? So why put it there? Well, the origins gave us uh, give us a little crossover story with the founding of Denver, as I mentioned. Uh, so Colorado Springs was founded in 1871 as Fountain Colony. Not the, not the same. Fountain Colony. And its founder, a General William J. Palmer, built the Denver and Rio Grande Western Railroad. So this guy's a rich guy, uh, and he's just coming down there, and he just pumped a ton of life and wealth into Denver and I, and I, and it makes sense the surrounding areas by that by that you know extension um, yeah so sure. in the years uh, following years Fountain Creek would be soon named Colorado Springs after the nearby Manito Mineral Springs and its expansion was aided by the Cripple Creek gold strikes of the 1890s so these are guys just to give you just a little bit of context that are miners and they're just like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm done. So we're chilling. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Um, So basically just a bunch of miners who were fed up with their jobs and their work activities just were like, you know, we're setting up shop in Colorado Springs. We're going to spend our time and our money here. So uh, a lot of people moving into the city. So that is actually most of the what I found for the origins. What I can tell you is that once the city started expanding in the in the mid nineteen hundreds, so just mid twentieth century. I don't know why I said it like that. Mid nineteen hundreds. Yes, the mid nineteen hundreds. The mid nineteen hundreds. So we're talking about like nineteen forties, nineteen fifties. A lot of cool things came into the town. Uh, so first in nineteen forty two, the U.S. government established the North American Aerospace Defense Command. So that's NORAD. And I've heard of NORAD before. Um, I don't really know what it does. Is it but it's, rad? It's <laughs> rad. <laughs> oh, man. You know me and, with the jokes. And the U.S. Space Command. That's also in Colorado Springs. And Space Force! Space Force. And, you know, I have a friend out there. We'll get this. We'll get into this a little bit. The friend I have out there who he actually saw. He's actually told me that when he walks around the city, he sees guys in uniforms with Space Force emblems on their on their, like their camo. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so it's a real thing. It's a real thing that's happening. And it's been happening in Colorado Springs. So if you can just imagine that. <laughs> We're probably going to get arrested as we're recording this. The FBI is going to break in. It's just some intel that they're there. So um, (laughs) we're definitely on some sort of watch list now. So um, in 1958, after that, you get the U.S. Air Force Academy. So that's there, too. Um, And then 20 years after that, you then have the founding of the U.S. Olympics and Paralympics Committee, uh, which built the Colorado Springs Olympic and Paralympic Training Center. Uh, oh, I there. think we drove by that. If we did, yeah, we, we, we did. It's like the flagship. Yeah, we we passed a sign that, that was the turnoff yeah. for it. So that is that is there too. And it's like the flagship training center. So there's like three in the country. I looked this up. There's three, but the main one is Colorado Springs. So it is like, you know, the big one. It's the biggie. Very cool. Yes. Oh, I'm just going to say it's a huge tourism city. That's why we were there. And it was a city whose growth, you know, predominantly relied on tourism. So hence why we visited. We're tourists. We're basic bitches. We're driving down. 
the sea Colorado calling Springs. all the basic bitches calling all the basic bitches you're basic why why did it attract us i mean we we're going to get into our impressions so what did you think about colorado springs jacob well we really only saw one part of it which was the garden of the gods so from <laughs> that though what did you think of it <laughs> oh, for, well, for, from that, I mean, I, I thought it was cool. I liked how there was the red rock mixed in with the mountains. Um, I thought Garden of the Gods is a very cool city park. Oh, yeah, it's in, it's crazy. So Garden of the Gods, these jutting red rocks that come at you, um, really the more one of the more foreign sites we had seen on the trip thus far, I think. Uh, and anywhere it would be labeled like a national park or a national recreation center and yes <laughs> it's labeled just the city park just a mundane little thing to do in the town of colorado springs yeah definitely um but i thought it was cool the way they had it set up uh, i thought all the guardrails around the red rock kind of made it seem a little um almost fake like fictional looking yeah I agree with you there. I mean, I thought that that if they wanted to get the whole outdoors vibe going, that they should have just taken out the walkways, um, just let us kind of roam around and just, you know, whoever can make it out there is make it out there. They made it very accessible to a lot of people. And that's nice and all, but, you know, we're trying to traverse the real land and we can do it. We're up for the task. And, you know, it did seem a little bit fake. I agree with you. But it was beautiful. Nonetheless, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, So I was happy we went, certainly. Very happy we went. I was also very happy we had a little tour guide. I had my friend, as I mentioned, who's working out there, Zach. So shout out to Zach. He showed us around. Um, And it was just a great time. And it was cool to see someone out there that we know. It was like one of the first people, I think, past Kansas City that we saw that we sort of just came up upon. Familiar face in the middle of... uh, all this new territory for us. Yeah. Is our call on a little bit of a delay here? Is, uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I just thought there was some weird response time. It's up for, it's all right. I'll edit it out later. Yeah. For those listening, uh, we do, we are recording these over zoom safely in the COVID era. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a little bit of technical work that goes into making it, like we're having this face-to-face conversation. Right, right. I just can't wait to get back to coughing on Jacob in person soon. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for you to be coughing on me. I'm really excited. I'll lick everything. Anyway. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> if you're getting COVID, I'm getting COVID and vice versa. Okay? It's, it's true. It's a pact. It's true. It's a pact. We'll shake on it. All right. Blood pact. Yes. So I say that we had a successful day, you know, just getting back to it, you know, successful day, Colorado, Denver. Um, so, you know, I would highly suggest the visit. Yep. Those cities are definitely worth your time, um, particularly the Garden of the Gods and Chipotle. Um, two big <laughs> highlights there. Now, remember, Chipotle, it's food. It's real food or just it's food. I like it's food. You can keep it. You're the marketing genius. You tell me. You know, less is more. So it's food. We'll go with that. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. Um, But that was really kind of a pit stop for us was uh, those two cities. Those two cities. Right. And we're going to be getting to the uh, outdoorsy, more outdoorsy stops very soon. But very happy with it all in all. But I don't think we have too much time to waste because I have researched something very dark and sinister that is uh, associated with that surrounding area. Would you like me to tell? I will say that I definitely know what this one's going to be about just because I know all about what's happening in Denver, but I am very, very excited to get all of the details of it on this week's dark history, dark history. So I want to start with a disclaimer here. I think here at Road Boys, we're trying to give you the straight facts. You know, I'm going to come with a list of corrections if I realize I'm some, you know, something's wrong. So we're just trying to stick to the truth 
and at the end of the day, Jacob, you know, both and both of both you and I agree, you know, it's on us. It's on us. It's on us. And this is this is a real news source here. You can trust every single thing that we say on this podcast. That's why I tried to to do my due diligence, you know, with this research on this following topic, because I don't want to lead you down dark corners of the Internet trying to look up what we're talking about here. You can trust me. We're not I'm not Alex Jones. You know, I'm not trying to peddle (laughs) conspiracy theories. Listen, I know there's a conspiracy going on. Um, uh, (laughs) That's my Alex Jones. Thank you. So. But what I'm trying to say is that we're not Alex Jones. Even if we can do impressions of Alex Jones, we're not Alex Jones. We're not trying to peddle conspiracy theories. I only want to bring information up that we either know is true or, you know, stuff that we desperately want to be true. So, you know, anything that, you know, could be in the realm of possibility is something I'll bring up. So that's why in the essence of truth finding and being factual today's topic is about the illuminati international headquarters at the denver international airport and the lizard people who built it (laughs) (laughs) let's get into it i'm very excited about this yes so let's start with the cold hard facts the denver international airport exists it exists wow um it's very important it opened in 1995 and for further proof i've taken a flight out of there and this is a long time ago this is before the trip um so i wasn't flying with jacob or anything i've been there it's massive and it comes in as north america's largest airport and the second largest in the world it takes up 52.4 square miles of space what the hell i didn't know that yes this is just stuff you can find on any research, you know, verifiable research database. This is a tr- this is true. This place is massive, Jacob. It's it's like it's literally could just be its little colony. <laughs> it's it's just un- inexplicably massive. I don't know what to say. <laughs> well, there's got to be a reason for that. So why don't you go into it? Okay, okay. So let's just talk about the building of such a colossal airport first. I mean, I mentioned it was opened in 1995. And this actually was a year behind schedule. So it was supposed to open a year prior. And it came in at 2 to $3 billion over budget. So <laughs> this, be- this begs the question, uh, what was the cause of that delay? Why are, they, why are they delaying it a year? And why are we coming in at like billions of dollars over budget? You don't do that and like keep your job. And yet, you know, people are like, okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's definitely something suspicious here. There's something suspicious going on. It makes people think – it can make one think like what's going on? What do they put the money into? Where did that money go? Um, And why was the airport delayed? So this place has a ton of conspiracy theories associated with it. Um, And I I list a few. We'll go into some. But uh, but it's just – All this stuff is just weird, it's creepy, and it's unsettling. So here's the first conspiracy theory associated with it. Um, Number one, perhaps some of this money was spent on the design of such a place. Maybe the layout of the airport. So what am I talking about here? Um, This takes us to the first conspiracy theory, the runway shape. Much of what makes the case of Denver International uh, so intriguing and so mysterious is what you can't see with the naked eye. But with but with the runways, if you take a drone or you fly, you know, low to the ground and you just take an overlook of just an overhead look of the runways, you'll notice that it kind of makes the shape of a swastika. <laughs> and I looked at the pictures. They kind of it does come pretty close to a swastika. I can't say it's perfect, but it looks like if you're trying to hint towards something, then maybe Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe, maybe there is something nefarious going on there. There, um, that's no good. That's no good. I mean, it's not. That's not really a conspiracy theory, but that's just something you can find with the naked eye. So that's a little bit. It's a little bit sinister. Number two, who would be behind such a sinister runway layout, and who would be behind just the building of the place? Like in general, like who's calling the shots? You know, who's who's controlling everything? So. There are those who t- suggest that the building of the Denver airport was influenced by the Freemasons, a secretive centuries-old society with infamous ties to what is known as the New World Order. So, there you Ooh. go. 
New World Order. I love it. Those are wrestlers. Those are, <laughs> and there's that name drop for you. Um, so what's the evidence of that? You know, there's got to be some evidence. Well, there's a dedication plaque at the airport's south entrance, which bears the Freemasons logo and references the World Air, the New World Airport Commission. So people sort of been tracing money back and forth. They've been looking at this, at this dedication plaque and they're saying there could have been some uh something at play here with the freemasons in the building of this airport i don't know what to make of it okay sounds a little suspect but why don't you continue okay so now we have sort of an idea of maybe who's running the place who knows it and with that in mind we go on to another conspiracy theory many believe Denver International uh, to be the gathering place or perhaps shelter rather for this for like a global cabal of elites in the case of nuclear fallout or Armageddon. Ooh. Ooh. So why so? Why is it? Why? I'm not running to an airport if someone blows up a bomb. So why is this the case? There are those who claim that that below where us peasants can roam the concourses at DIA is a maze of secret underground tunnels, secret underground tunnels. And these tunnels contain bunkers perhaps. So people are looking at it and there also claims that the tunnels lead directly to the North American aerospace defense command, which I mentioned earlier is in Colorado Springs. It's no rad. And it runs, that would run a hundred miles. I've heard multiple sources say that there is such a tunnel that runs directly from there to the airport, a hundred miles long tunnel. Secret. Very secret. So are there tunnels? Well, yes, at least this part is true. And, um, I can tell by firsthand account of the of the airport, uh, the the airport has a tram that runs through it. It's so massive that they're literally you get on a train to get you to one part of the airport to the other, and also there are just a bunch of underground tracks for luggage to run on. So it's it's, a, it's an impressive system, but is there something more sinister to it? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I can't verify this. But in my research, I found some web pages that uh, said that they tried taking heat signatures of basically the floor of the airport. So the heat signature is supposed to show you how far down that airport goes into the ground. And they ended up being inconclusive. So they found six underground levels below the Denver International. But they, but people claim and these signatures suggest that there just could be a lot more down there than they can even find with a sign- with with a measurement tool such as that. So do you think it's like a whole city? I think it could be. It could definitely be. But again, I'm trying to give you the facts. So me- so emphasis on the could, you know. Right. We're not trying to peddle this. No, that could be wild though. That would be wild. Um so people definitely saying that it, that there's something to it that if the world blew up then people would just be these these elites would just be flocking to this airport to go underground sort of like the end of kingsman remember the end of kingsman when they're all in that cave i think of it like that no yeah i do remember that but then that leaves me wondering um how do we become these elites how do we become these elites well we just start we have to start going off jacob we have to start going off (laughs) we're already going off we're going going off. off we're going off and now, so I talked about the underground. I talked about the layout of the airport, maybe who's running the airport as well. I'm going to just take us to perhaps the last most intriguing part of the conspiracy, which is the artwork. And you're thinking to yourself, why do I mention the artwork? It's not that significant. But it is maybe some of the most creepy and unsettling parts of this conspiracy around this airport involves what, how they've decorated the place. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Let's get into it. Uh, we'll start with the massive blue Mustang statue, which stands at the airport's main entrance. And you might be asking yourself, what's scary about a horse? They're cute. Well, I would tell you that this statue, uh, I looked it up online, and it's been given the nickname Blucifer, Blucifer, for a reason, as it, it's famous for its glaring red eyes. 
So, <laughs> so it's called Blue Cipher. Blue Cipher because it's a blue horse. It's a blue Mustang, and at night, <laughs> and also during the day, they're like almost the the eyes are so vibrantly red that, that it like lights up. It attracts light during. Oh the well, night. that's terrifying. Yes. So he's out there. He's chilling out there at the main entrance of the concourses. Um, you know, with the departures and arrivals. And people are just, you know, asking ourselves, like, why is it there? Um, and people have actually claimed that it's that that the art that there's an artistic nod going on there uh, to the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Um, so that's kind of dark. That's kind of suspect. Or uh, do we think it could be another portal to hell? Call back to last episode. It certainly could be. I mean. I was just talking about it's another conspiracy theory. Maybe there is a portal to hell. That place goes so far down into the ground. Perhaps, perhaps there's something going on there too. Um, so the story behind the statue's development is pretty is pretty dark too. The artist who conceptualized the statue started work on it and wouldn't even live to see the completion of it. Considering that two years before uh, the statue would finally be placed where it stands today, a piece of the statue just fell on this guy's leg, and it <laughs> and it severed an artery, and it led to his death. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, so the artist made the statue, and the statue literally killed him. So that's 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 a that's that's not that's not good. It's a little that's bit a pretty suspect unfortunate too. way to go. Hmm. So there's that statue, and then there's a lot of different things in the in just individual things in in, in the airport that uh, would just call the attention. Uh, there's a bunch of gargoyles. There's stuff that looks like demons jutting out from the wall. There's strange markings on the floor, and then perhaps the most intriguing, and perhaps the most unsettling of this all are the murals. And I actually remember seeing these when I went. Oh, so you so these are murals that you actually witnessed with your own two eyes. Right. And I was a young boy, you know, admittedly when I was at this airport, but you know, I it it, it took me I was taken aback by it, I'll just say, when I saw them. They are a creepy set of murals. They're they were painted after research I found this. They were painted by one artist named Leo Tanguma, and they're supposedly supposed to portray expressions of peace and justice but they come off very very creepy jacob um yeah i think i saw a picture of these uh yes if if there's a famous part of this conspiracy theory with the denver airport these always come up so if you look up this up you should be able to find these uh murals quite easily so here are are some of their names what the 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 murals or the artist the murals the murals. Okay, well, they. I would just look up Denver Airport murals. I can give you the name of the artist again, Leo Tanguma. There's no name for like the uh, for the series, but I can okay. give you some of the names of the murals themselves, like yeah. not the series. Yes. All right. So, <laughs> I almost mistook these names for YouTube albums or songs, but you know, <laughs> here's the first one: "In Peace and Harmony with Nature." <laughs> and then <laughs> and then my favorite naming my my favorite name one was children of the world dream of peace ah <laughs> uh, yes of course my favorite artistic piece children of the world with peace dream of peace they dream, dream of, peace. of peace sorry it's on the newest youtube album <laughs> yeah really could they have picked a longer title i don't know i i i didn't like writing i, I was trying to like you know come up with an abbreviation when I was writing these notes so I wouldn't have to keep writing it but yes children of the world this is a podcast so I'm gonna just have to try and paint a picture with my words it's how to describe what you know you're seeing when you look at these well first off you're immediate you're immediately hit with a lot of color there's a lot going on in all these murals they try to emphasize diversity they're depicting people of all colors race and creed women and children uh and a lot of rainbow imagery too so uh first so it's it's not sounding too creepy it's almost like overly happy until you spot a curious character placed prominently throughout many of these murals and what am i referring to here yes throughout all these murals there are there's nazi imagery uh namely of a nazi wearing a gas mask Damn. So it's really kind of like going into It's a Small World at Disney, and then instead of one of the children, there's a dead baby. Right. 
Um, so you get all these like all these like peaceful, happy looking things, and then you're met with a gas masked Nazi. Like lovely. It's, it's like where's Waldo? Except Waldo is a Nazi. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Waldo is a Nazi. That's my new conspiracy theory and novel. So. I'm just saying, when you look at this, you're telling me that these murals are supposed to like promote peace and justice. And then, in, and then in Children of the World Dream of Peace, you look at the corner, look at the corner of of of, of the mural, lower left hand corner, and what do you find? Oh yeah, of course, it's a letter from a child who died in Auschwitz. <laughs> ah yes, of course. Well, no mural would be complete without a letter from a child who died in Auschwitz. Of course. So. This is just one, you know, Children of the World, Dream of Peace. It's one in the set of murals that this guy made. And I would tell all you listeners out there, just, you know, as I mentioned, look them up. Uh, There is just something strange and creepy, just unsettling about them. Like, they shouldn't be in an airport. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Who has the audacity to to basically, you know, put these in in a family airport? A place of commerce and business. There's children. I was like 12 when I saw this. So, what what are they doing? So, I mean, what are we doing here? Come on. <laughs> Come it's, on. It's just not the way to go. It certainly isn't. And uh my, it all leads the the you know, you to this question, just what are they doing there? Why pair such peaceful imagery with allusions to like violence, genocide, strife? Why put them in an airport? Maybe a better question would to, would to be to ask who are they for? Who are who's supposed to get you know something out of this when you're looking at something like that? So oh, the children, of course. Oh, the children of the world, dreaming of peace, of course. They're trying to <laughs> they, they, they're trying to get it, something out of it. So my last piece on this is just a quote from Doctor Leonard Hurwitz. Um, he is a former dentist, so we can trust him on all this because of the doctor at the beginning of his name. Well, of course, a dentist is. Uh... Very trustworthy. He may or may not have spoken to my psychology class in the senior year of my high school. I had someone like this talk to to my class, and I'm pretty sure it was him, actually. Interesting. Um, and he's a conspiracy theorist. I'm just going to say it straight up. This guy's, <laughs> guy's, a, guy's a straight up conspiracy theorist who is very lucky to be able to put the doctor and have it work in front of his name. Dr. Leonard Hurwitz, like he's some uh, <laughs> authority Dr. on Professor this. Dr. Professor Patrick. <laughs> exactly. So he said, and I'm going to quote him, the elements here reflect the circumstances in current geopolitics. The images here make it pretty certain there is commercial enterprise that relishes the Im- these images. So there is a party at play that wanted them in the airport. And there are people that have some sort of delight, get some sort of delight out of their being placed there. Those those murals. So Okay. Um, I have one more thing to go off of. And then I'll close it. Uh, this is, I'll just have the listener ponder this for just a moment. If you were going to hide something so massive, such as like an Illuminati headquarters, wouldn't you want to hide it in plain sight? Just think about it. Airport, people passing through there day by day. Wouldn't you want to hide something like this where people, uh, if they're expecting it, they don't really expect it. Come on. It's too ridiculous. It's an airport. I don't know if you'd agree with me. But. You know, I would I would say no, I completely disagree with you. I would totally put it somewhere in like Bumblefuck, Idaho. Well, I I I, I hear what you're saying there, but this is what I found. I'll I'll just say it's another conspiracy theory. Maybe I just made it up. Um, but <laughs> but recently, Denver International have all but leaned into the conspiracy theories in their marketing. So there's a new conspiracy theory webpage that they put up on their actual, on the airport's website. Oh, really? Yes. And all the digital ads promoting the new website, along with like like the expansion, actual expansion of part, a wing of the airport, um, in it, in this, in these promotional items, there's copy that says stuff like construction or cover up, cool new area to hang out, or area 52. So they're like really leaning into it. They're treating it like, you know, like it's a joke. Like we can, you know, we're they're in on it too. So that means it's real, right? But we can all have a hearty laugh, I guess, at this. They're thinking it's real, right? But the, think about the psychology there. That's what I'm getting to. 
Denver International openly jokes around about these conspiracies that give off the impression that they're in on the joke. They're just like you. You would feel comfortable. You'd never expect that in the end, everything that I was just talking about is real. So there's that. <laughs> well, what what I'll say that I find the most suspicious about all of this is that they came in, what, $2 billion over budget? Listen, when you go and plan a project like that, uh, you account for budget issues and you account for different things like that. Yeah, it's it's a huge oversight. It's a it's a huge oversight, and there needs to be some paper trail. There needs to be some explanation, and here and yet, no one really talks about it too much. No one really talks about the where the money went, how it was spent. I mean, I know the place is massive. I know there's a lot going on there, but two billion dollars. I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't know about that. I I really don't know about that. So that is the case of curious case of the Denver International Airport. Um, you can make of it what you will. And again, you know, don't take what I said verbatim. Look it up for yourself. Check it out. Come to your own conclusions. I'm not Alex Jones. I'm not Alex uh, Jones. <laughs> uh, you know. Jeremy, uh, what, what I think here is uh, that there's definitely a massive conspiracy that the left liberals are uh, trying to cover up. Yeah, yeah, man. I can't even do it. <laughs> you have a bass, <laughs> even more grovelly bass voice. I can't produce that. Thank you. It's my many vocal talents. <laughs> oh, man. Well, <laughs> I, again, uh, my talent is, uh, is diminished when faced against yours. So there's Thank that. you so much, and it's so, so true of you to say, Jeremy. <laughs> um, so I'd say that's probably a good place for us to move to our fan question of fan the week. Fan question, fan yeah. question. Yeah, our fan question of the week is coming in from John Denver. <gasps> John Denver. How, <laughs> how, what a coincidence. <laughs> now, John Denver asks, is the fact that we're all going to die making life absurd huh so mm. does dying make life absurd does dying make life absurd i like that question uh and i don't know in that case like the the, the doing the road trip it was that absurd of us to do if we knew oh we it was absolutely absurd <laughs> <laughs> it was absurd we went to 33 states in, in 37 days Yes, we really did. We hit it all. Um, and we did it during such a time that it was it was absurd that we did it. But in all in all, is it absurd to live a life if we know we're going to die? It's, it's a good question to think about. You know, I like to think about uh, Albert Camus in The Stranger, where basically he gets, the, the main character gets so trodden down by everything that's going on around him that he embraces death and is just like, you know you're so educated you're so cultured well i'm re you know you know how far removed i am in books wise from from the stranger this was 10th grade so <laughs> that's a long i'm probably i'm probably four books removed from having read for, through all the way for through um the stranger i'm four books removed from it four books that's a lot of books so that's that's you know four too many so, but I read it and I was like, this guy, this guy's on some, uh, meta, meta shit. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. I never read uh, it. But I don't know. There's a lot you can get out of life. Do you agree with me, Jacob? <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I think there's a lot of things worth seeing in your lifetime. Uh, I mean, that's certainly why we started this podcast is to encourage people to get out and see the world around them i think it's useful to be able to uh or maybe useful is not the word i'd say like there's some utility to being mm. able to know what's around you and what your surroundings are and sometimes you know why not experience some joy i mean if we're gonna right. die anyway might as well live a good life than a bad life yeah i mean it could be absurd that we are here in the first place but in the end I think part of what we can get out of life is fulfillment. And honestly, travel is a great way to get that. So we're here. Get, get over it. Right. <laughs> we're here. Uh, and, we're, and we intend to be here until we die, which is absurd. But, you know, what's she going to do about it? As I always say with these deep questions, Don, Johnny, Johnny, if I can call you that, why think about it? 
why even ponder that thought? <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thank you to John Denver for submitting that uh, question this week. Thank you to John Denver. Cool name. Uh, really, really, really uh, topical. So that's it was convenient. Certainly really topical for next week. I mean, I won't say what we're doing, but it involves something that as a song that John Denver wrote that has three words in the title and one of them is high and and that's going to be our next episode. <laughs> to quote to quote John Denver, almost heaven, West Virginia. And that is that is a big <laughs> hint. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, oh. We're going back oh. to the East Coast here. Our next stop is the foothills. <laughs> oh no! We went to Harper's Ferry. <laughs> <laughs> we went. We, we we wanted to see what happened with John Brown and all that. So, but that was a really week. good episode. I thought. What? That was a really good episode. I thought. Oh yeah! No no no! I th- I think I think uh, what we covered here was good. It was pretty productive. We had a good discussion on on the airport. So in the end. In the end, we learned a lot, and you know, maybe we're one step closer to getting a Chipotle sponsorship. I'm not too sure. Chipotle, it's food. It's food. <laughs> All righty. Um, any final thoughts, reflections, questions, comments, death threats? Well, I'm gonna kill you next Sunday. All right, there you have it. Thanks for mm-hmm. listening. Bye. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs> Road Boys, starring Jacob Bellotti and Jeremy Shapiro as themselves. Produced by Jacob Bellotti and Jeremy Shapiro. Directed by Jacob Bellotti and Jeremy Shapiro. And created by Jacob Bellotti and Jeremy Shapiro. Special thanks to Vlad Glashenko for recording the intro and outro music royalty-free. And Tina Perkins, that's me, for recording promotional content. To learn more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Road Boys Podcast.